Hey, how you guys doing Saturday afternoon? Gabe DeArmond, Gerard Hamilton, live from the press box at Furrow Field. Let's just sum it up this way before we get started. Much pain. I feel like I feel like that's a good comment to get us started. Um, 573-T's post-game live after a 21-17 loss to Kentucky. Hey, Gerard, uh, I'm going to have you do the advertisement for us for a minute. Stand up real quick. There Sir, you go. You see, I got it. I got it on me. I, I told Gabe as soon as he dropped them off, I'm gonna put these on. I'm gonna put the hoodies on all the time. So there you go. Five seven three T's uh, helping us out with some site gear. They can do custom orders. Anything you guys want. Five seven three T's. I actually had another publisher in the Rivals Network from way out of state see me tweet out a picture of our stuff this morning and say, "Hey, you got to put me in touch with five seven three T's. I got to get some stuff done." So uh, encourage you to reach out to them. Five seven three T's dot com. Uh, Alley A between Ninth and Tenth Street. Uh, just a block off Broadway, downtown Columbia. So appreciate those guys. Appreciate all of you guys being here. We've already got a whole bunch of comments built up. We're going to do our best to catch up on them. And uh, as we go throughout the show, um, we will get to it. We always kind of just start with our big picture thoughts. And um, Gerard, you don't know the history of this place as, as having been around it maybe quite as much. I sit here thinking, how can a team and a program that has found so many different painful ways to lose find a new way to lose? I don't think I've seen something quite like that, man. I mean, that is – and look, it wasn't all one call, but we're going to start talking about one call. That was a – that was a – that drive because – First off, when, when we Kentucky had the ball there, we was kind of thinking, I don't know, defense may be gassed or just Kentucky was getting those dirty runs, those few yards at a time. Then they get the third down stop, and now they're punting. So at the least you're thinking, and with the wind, was Kentucky going into the wind at that point? Everyone, they had they were with the wind in the fourth. They were with the wind. But you're still thinking Missouri's going to have another chance, you know, to try something. And then you see the ball go behind, and you're just like, oh, they may even – Missouri – they may either get in the five or just score off it right there. So it was just – it was a weird play from, from start to finish, and I'm starting to see it. There's been a few times this year I'm starting to see this snake bit type thing y'all got going on. Okay, so let's talk about the the roughing the, roughing the kicker. Um, When I – immediately when Will Norris made the hit and I saw the flag fly, I said, that's going to be roughing the kicker because he didn't touch the ball. Um, Now – by the sheer letter of the law, it might have been the right call. I'm still not sure it was. But by the sheer letter of the law, if you don't deflect the kick, you can't tackle the punter. Uh, Eli Drinkwood said the explanation he was given was that the punter was still between the tackles. I have no idea if he was. Maybe he was. Uh, but he was still between the tackles, and therefore he cannot be hit while he is still punting the ball. Every rule I've seen says he has to establish himself in like position that he's going to kick the ball. How the hell is Will Norris supposed to know he's going to kick the ball? Because let's be honest, he shouldn't have been trying to kick the ball. He should have kicked that thing out of the back of the end zone. Yeah, there's there's no way. And um, it's good to hear that Drink and the players don't think this is a Will Norris thing because it's, it's totally right. not. I mean, I think everybody – you sitting at you sitting at home, you're thinking I'm going to tackle that guy too. I mean, yes. honestly, because the way the kicker did for one, obviously he got hurt. Very dangerous play on his part, 
And it kind of helped them win the game. But at, like what you said, you've got to kick that out the back of the end zone and just take the safety or whatever comes with it. Um, so how is Will Norris knows this guy's going to pick it up going one way. And he's then looking, kick it. Yeah, he's looking at the fans in the end zone when he picks it up, turns, and then still is able to kick it like you, you're not. So it's just a it's just a wild call. And Drink said that he thinks the rule should be changed, obviously. Well, and I view it like, okay, if the rule says he has to establish himself as a kicker or in position to kick, well, that's to me like on the play that Dominic Lovett goes out of bounds and comes back in and he's the first guy to touch the ball. That's a penalty because he had not reestablished position. If you reestablish position, you can touch the ball. Or the other, the other one I can think of is like on a fumble, you have to catch the ball and make a football move. If you just catch the ball and you're immediately hit and drop it, it's an incomplete pass. If you turn or if you take a couple steps, that's a football move. That's putting yourself in position and then it can become a fumble. Nothing that kid did told me, hey, he's going to punt the ball and Will Norris should be in. I mean, like in a perfect world, instead of tackling him, Will Norris dives at his leg, right? And tries to block the kick slash take him down. But Again, you just can't fault the kid for what he did. Well, even if he wanted to go for that, again, the kick, the punter made such a split-second decision to punt the ball off. Because if he goes for his legs, really, what is he necessarily going at? What if the punter does what 98% of other punters do and tries to right. just pick it up and run? So right. you, you can't fault that. And, and as far as the Lovett thing, I thought he was penalized because he was the first person to touch it. I thought he came back in. I just thought he was the first person to touch it after he went yeah, out. Himself. You, may, you may be right. I, I'm, I'm more actually, I'm thinking of basketball in that, where if you go out of bounds, mm. you've got to reestablish it. So, yeah. so you're right on that. I'm wrong. So, okay. So like we've established really tough call, maybe a wrong call. We don't know. I, I mean, by the letter of the law, maybe a wrong call by the spirit of the call or law, certainly a wrong call, but whatever it, Missouri did so much wrong before that to be down 21-17. I mean, and look, they had the ball with five minutes and 18 seconds left, and they went three and out and threw a swing pass for three yards on third and 10. So, and and if if they get that ball back, let's say they, I I don't even know where the punt landed. Let's say it landed at the 35. If they get the ball at the 35, do they score a touchdown? Maybe. My whole point is, yes, awful call. Understand why Missouri fans are furious about it. Might have changed the game. Still doesn't mean Missouri played well. I mean, I think you said it early fourth quarter. Neither one of these teams should win this game. No, we should just get a big tie or something. This is no. This <laughs> this was for about three quarters. This is one of the worst games I've ever saw, like I've ever seen. Whatever. It just it was boring. Um, it was stupid. I mean, there was there was a lot of calls that didn't make sense. I I don't know. It, it just didn't look that great. And then fourth quarter came, and there was all types of fireworks and stuff. And there was a number of calls, not just that one, but there was a number of calls, 50-50 calls, or not even 50-50, like that third and one where they gave it to Rodriguez. When it actually not only was it a stop, it was a tackle for loss. Yes, yeah. like things like that. I mean, his fumble later, or I guess it wasn't a fumble. Uh, they had that. There was just a number of things that just didn't go Missouri's way. Yeah, and 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 again, I'm not sure any of them was a wrong call, but also they easily could have gone Missouri's way. But Missouri did nothing to make its own luck. What you saw today 
was what you get when you ask your defense to be perfect and they're a little bit less than perfect. I mean, the Missouri defense was really good today. It was not perfect. It gave up 6-16 six of 16 on third down. Will Levis completed two or three third down passes on the opening touchdown drive. Jalen Carlisle out of position on that touchdown. Um, third and 11, Levis makes a beautiful throw to Dane Key. Dane Key breaks a tackle, sports the game-winning touchdown. So the defense was not perfect, but we've been saying for six weeks, it's not fair to ask them to be perfect. This is not the defense's fault. 21 points should win you a football game. It should. It, it, it should. And so I guess that's going to – that means we're going to transition to Brady Cook and got some words for y'all because some of y'all think we we just love Brady Cook and no, that's not the case. It's not the case whatsoever. He's shown all season that there's a lot of things he's just incapable of doing and, and he struggles with at times, whether that's reads, whether that's turnovers and decision-making. And, and what I said in my uh, – quick thoughts after the game was, you know, you can't fault, can't fault him because he's really tough. He looked like Byron Leftwich. He was literally getting helped up the field. He was hurt. He could barely walk. And he still was making some plays. He got those two touchdowns after, but he did. There was a lot of reasons why, like you said, they were down 21-17, you know, in the fourth quarter and going two of 13 on third down. A lot of that falls on him. A lot of the missed passes and, and that fumble he had on, that's on him. So, there's blame to go around. He did not play great. Yeah, and and I, I would push back a little bit when you say, and I think it's just word choice, when you say you can't fault him. I mean, I, I don't question his toughness. And, look, the kid deserves credit that he led two touchdown drives and gave Missouri the lead. But he had to do that in large part because of things he did. Like, yeah. he was awful in the first half. Now, so was everybody else on offense. It's not all him, but – they're not in that position if he's a better quarterback. I don't question his toughness. I question his ability. I, I mean, that's I, I don't know how better to say it. Um, but also, there was never one point in that game where any other Missouri quarterback did so much as put a helmet on. You'd be as mad as you want. This is their quarterback. This is who Eli Drinkwitz is going to live or die with the rest of this season. There can be no question because there were a couple of plays there where we're in the press box going, How's this kid on the field, man? His teammates are having to help him up off the field. And they never thought about putting anybody else in. Nah, not even warm-up throws. So all the Sam Horn stuff, yeah, I might as well just probably should just end that for for a while. Yeah. Because no one, everybody's got hats on. There's no urgency. Like he was going to be in the game. This is Connor Bazelak. This is Connor Bazelak all over again from what, what I heard was going on last year. So just prepare yourselves for that. And I, I, I mean, so I think where we fall is, yes, bad officiating, no question. Also bad play um, by Missouri, no question. It was a combination of everything, and it was why. Look, we talked last week about the emotional roller coaster of being a sports fan. I mean, two weeks ago, everybody wants to fire Eli Drinkwitz because they barely beat Vandy. Last week, see, any of you guys that doubted were idiots. This week, what the hell was that they put on the field? Like, it, it just – you know, it's never as good as you think after a win, and it's usually not as bad as you think after a loss. I mean, this was a winnable game. They've had they've lost four SEC games by one score. Let's see, Kentucky by four, Auburn by three, Georgia by four, and Florida by seven. So that's four losses by 18 points. I don't know. If you want to say they're close, say they're close. If you want to say they can't get out of their own way and they can't win, say that. They're both probably right. 
Um, I, I don't really know where to come down after this one. I don't really want to spend a lot of time here talking about Eli Drinkwitz getting a contract extension because until we have financial details of it, I don't think it too much matters. Um, but I don't know, Gerard, before we get to, to questions and comments, any anything that like you think bears mentioning that we haven't mentioned? I just think uh, 12, Kentucky had 12 penalties for 84 yards. Um, I don't know when I see that, and, and Missouri had seven penalties for 71 yards. Obviously, that's not that's not great. And one of those was that roughing the punter stuff, which was ridiculous. Um, I just think when it, when a team is that undisciplined and the offensive line Kentucky has is that kind of bad, you got to win that. When how many sacks did Missouri to, have? Today was not about Kentucky playing well enough to win. Oh, oh Kentucky yeah, Kentucky oh, yeah. tried to lose this game too. Missouri oh, yeah. just tried harder. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, though. I forgot the number of sacks Missouri had, but six, all those whole six sacks. I mean, we were talking by halftime how they had eclipsed most of their totals from last week. They had like four sacks and eight tackles for loss last week. And by halftime, they were already passing that stuff or really close to passing it. And then you add in this the penalties. Like, this is just a game. It's just the bad luck Missouri has, apparently. It's just the yeah. bad luck because you got to win those. It was it was two average football teams that played poorly and some breaks went against Missouri on top of it. They're not good enough to overcome things going against them, and, and things did today. Um, so I want to run through some of the comments and questions. Cam says, play calling terrible, quarterback terrible, offensive line terrible. I, I, I don't know how much of today is necessarily on play calling. Um, if you want to put some of it on, that's fine. I would just say offense, terrible. All of it. Like quarterback, offensive line, everything was bad. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you can go either way. I remember telling you that the play calling, a lot of the things, a lot of the, the unique things they were doing last week, they weren't doing it this week. Like even just having Burden lined up in the backfields or running back or doing the jet sweeps to Dominic Lovett. I mean, how does he go from 10 targets and 10 receptions to like – a rushing attempt and like three other targets that don't count or whatever. You just can't have that. Yeah. Uh, Stu says this team finds a way to lose in special teams every chance they get. So let's talk a little bit because, man, I was getting messages from people that were real pissed off about the kicks, uh, about the squib kicks. So it, it was clear what Missouri was attempting to do. Look, we're kicking into a 30-mile-an-hour wind. We don't think Ketting is going to get a touchback in that situation. Barry and Brown is one of the best kick returners in the country. We don't want to let him have a chance to return it. So we're going to kick the ball on the ground. It's a sound strategy. It makes sense. Missouri just did it terribly twice. First time kicks it straight out of bounds. Second time kicks it straight into one of the up men, resulting in a 58-yard field for, for the game-winning touchdown. These The special teams was like... It's not as bad as the offensive line, but it's 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 bad. Whether it's Mebus missing kicks one week or whether it's kicking the ball out of bounds, the bad coverage units, I mean, it's starting to become more of a, like, you know, how special teams is usually like a secondary afterthought thing. It's starting to come up and creep up as one of the significant problems it's, with this team. It's not important until it's important, right? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the that's big thing. It's becoming too often now. Yeah. Um, I – 
I don't, I can't quite add it yet, but uh, Freeway Jared tossed us 10 bucks, said he's throwing away money like Missouri's athletic department. So um, I do appreciate that, Jared. Uh, mm -hmm. the, here we go. We'll, we'll get that on the screen. Appreciate that. And hey, man, even if it's throwing money away, like we'll take it. Cool. Thank you. If, appreciate if you, it. if anybody out there wants to throw money away, I will pick it up. No question. So uh, Steve Winder said in here somewhere, and, and I can't find it right now, but I'm just going to sum up all the extension stuff with, with Steve Winder had said, why did they extend Drinkwitz? I saw somebody else say it was only because of Auburn. Look, let's be clear. This had nothing to do with Auburn. Like it, Auburn's not hiring Eli Drinkwitz and Missouri knows that and Eli Drinkwitz knows that. I don't really think it had to do with other jobs. I mean, I, I guess it's possible that Jimmy Sexton, who is not the best agent in college football for nothing, was telling Missouri, hey, you know, Georgia Tech's open and Arizona State's open and we can look around. Whatever. Fine. 15 and 17. Look around. They extended him for largely for recruiting purposes. And again, I'm going to write a little bit about this. We hope to have the financial terms by the end of the day. But his current contract had three years left on it. And they said, the, the, the buyout was if if Missouri were to fire him, they would owe him 70% of the remaining salary. So like at the end of this year, if they were going to fire him, it was something like $8.6 million. I can't do the math in my head right now, but somewhere around there. At the end of next year, some close to like 5.7, 5.8. I don't know, something like that. So the key to this extension is what the buyout situation is. All I know at this point is it's not exactly the same. They don't owe, they're not going to owe him 70% of five years, which is what he'll have after this. I don't know what the number is. I don't know if it's 60%. I, I don't know if it's a sliding scale, but that's really the number. Because if what Missouri did today is give him two more years, but not add any money to what they owe if they have to fire him after next year, then it doesn't even matter. It's just window dressing. I mean, Barry Odom got a contract extension in December of 2018 and they fired him in on December 1st, 2019. So, it, today is not necessarily handcuffs. I, it's a bad look. I get it. You don't want to extend your coach and then have today happen. But I think people are taking the extension a little too literally because we don't we don't even know what the terms of it are yet. Um, uh, okay, Mizzou fan number seven says one score losses can be looked at two ways. They're deflating, and I wonder how it affects the locker room. They're so close to being affected. I, I don't know, man. After four of them, which way do you look at it, Gerard? Well, I'm looking at it as deflating because in every game they should have won. That like could have won. Could have won. The only could one have. I think Florida Florida was the one where it was just like if this was like how Florida was when they were down ten to twenty four and then they get a touchdown, like I can see that's a could have. But they were up on Georgia. They had the field goal with Mevis. They had thing with Pete, like they should have won versus Auburn. I say um, they should have won Auburn. I say they could have won the others. What was the other one? We're not, we're not today. No, you there was today. Was, no, no. Uh, Auburn, Florida. Georgia, Florida. Okay. And, and then today. this one, yeah, this was this is a could have. So, yeah, but at this point, you know you can compete. You know you have the defense for it. So I'm leaning towards more so this has got to be deflating, especially after the couple weeks you just had where you got some momentum. And now it feels like, wow, we're back not only to losing, but to how we were losing. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, what I'll give Missouri is this. They have not quit. They're still playing for this guy. It it doesn't matter. I'm not into moral victories, but it's at least telling that this defense has not thrown up its hands and said, we can't do this anymore. 
you know, that they're still out there fighting. Uh, too simplistic says uh, receivers can't get open, uh, but when they are open, he has to connect. The fan base is done, have to play Horn. Look, I don't, I don't think they're going to play Sam Horn. I mean, they, they haven't yet. But I, rather than whether they should, I want to talk about what it means that they clearly aren't. Like, does that give us concern for the future? Because, Gerard, this was a dreadful quarterback day for two and a half quarters. I, I mean, it, it reached a point where a lot of us, even in the press box, are going, look, man, you got to try something different just because it's something different. And the fact that he won't do that, I, it's a little bit concerning to me that is, is Sam Horn worse than what we're seeing? I'm thinking so. And everybody, I mean, everybody has optimism before something starts. Remember, we was kind of right. joking that like on the video boards when they'd be showing like the highlights throughout the season. And he was just like, it's just from spring game. A lot of them are happy because, you know, you have optimism. You can make the depth chart and all that stuff. That's what it is with the Sam Horn thing. No one knows what he really is, but Drake knows. And if he doesn't even think he can warm up while Brady Cook is getting hammered, that is telling. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's that's concerning to me. Uh, Todd Julian's asking if Will Norris touched the punt at all. He did not. Uh, he he did not. He hit the guy in the in the waist. It was a textbook tackle. It just so happened it was against a punter. Um, uh, Billy Parisi wants to know: Should Drink have contested the run on third and one where the ref said he passed? Line? Absolutely. Yeah. I was. I mean, yeah. I, first I was shocked. I actually tweeted that it was fourth and one. And then, so I was shocked by the spot, but I was even more shocked that Eli didn't call timeout and say, yo, take a look at that. I've never seen a fourth and one where it looks like not only are you short, but it's a tackle for loss. So that's two yards. That's two yards and drink. It seemed, was he not by the ref? I mean, they were all, all the coaches were wearing green, so I feel like he was by the ref and just didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, there was plenty of time. It wasn't like Kentucky yeah. ran to the line and snapped the ball. It's, I don't. I don't know what was going on there. That clearly looked like a blown opportunity to to get them to review it. Yeah. Uh, Joe Schmitter says, should have known last week's game with no costly mistakes was a fluke. Now, look, he makes a good point, though. Like, everybody wanted to delude themselves and pretend everything was fixed last week. Missouri wasn't all that good offensively last week. They just didn't kill themselves, right? They All they did was avoid mistakes. Like for this team to win games, you have to run the ball and punt the ball. It, it, rather than running the ball and dropping it in the middle of the field for a fumble, which I understand didn't turn into points, but that's a killer mistake. Um the you know the 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 roughing the punter obviously killer mistake. They just they have to be they have to play a clean game to win. And if it's anything less than perfectly clean, they are not good enough to win. I mean, the offensive line, they're, they're cutting down on the penalties. They only had two penalties. The nine tackles for loss and a couple of sacks, and those sacks weren't even just sacks. Like, he's getting crushed. It's it's going to be hard. And, it, and EJ and Doma Ogar going down, it doesn't make this any easier. And then Xavier Delgado, I know he came back to play, but now he's probably banged up. Doesn't make it any easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, that. I mean, when EJ and Doma Ogar went out, that line got worse. I'm not saying it was great before, but one of those sacks on Brady Cook was 
it was right through that position. The hold on the 40-yard gain to Burden at the end. That was the guy. Now, look, I've seen people say it was a bad call. I don't know. I didn't see it. I can't say whether it was a good call, bad call, or a different call, but that's the guy who got called for it. So, it's, it's just you know. it's tough. It's tough sledding. If it's not yeah. one thing, it's another. Yeah, um, carried by dad. These Kentucky games are brutal every year. It's absolutely, I mean, it's absolutely been a wild series where where things have happened. Uh, Andy Lemon said, I don't blame drink for the loss. At some point, folks got to execute. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't point to like a coaching decision. I mean, should he have challenged third and one? Yes, he should have. Does it change the game? I don't know, maybe. But like, I can't point to a coaching decision and say, well, that that beats you it is andy's exactly right these these guys on the field have to at some point make plays and if they're not making plays i don't know that it matters what play you call no plays were working right uh i won't i won't for one they definitely lost so i can't give them an a in my coaching grades oh, maybe no. not even a b maybe not even a right. b but this is another game where this isn't I don't think it's on drink so much. It's execution and just the fact that some of these plays, like I try not to be a the referees type of guy, but there's just some plays where it just didn't go their way. And that right. can't you can't blame that on drink. And some of that you can't even blame on the players. So Right. And and Jeremy brings up a good point. Like the problem with college sports is this it's always the coach's fault because he's the guy that has the player. So like I won't put today on play calling. I will put it on today. I will put today on these are the guys you've recruited on offense, and this is the offense you thought was good enough in August, and it's not. So he gets the blame in that sense. But, like, just isolating today's game, I don't know that the in-game coaching was bad today. No. So, basically, short term, this works for me in my, in my writing, but for you in the macro sense, it's more of a drink these are your guys. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean these are these are the guys he brought in, and so he has to win with them. There's no question. Um, let's see. Uh, keep on going through. I'm trying to to find things we haven't addressed yet, guys. So give me a, just a second. Uh, where does that rank in all the painful losses against Kentucky? I don't know. It's not good. Uh, um, I still think. The Auburn loss is a worse loss than today as far as this year. Because, I mean, that's just, you know, because, because again, even if the roughing the punter call isn't made, Missouri's offense has to go 35 yards for a touchdown, and I don't know if they would have or not. All right. Yeah, the Auburn one, just they had two blunders inside the five-yard line. So to a team that they should have right. beat. So, yeah. Um, Brian says, why not have more passing plays downfield? I mean, I don't know. What have they done that shows you those are going to work, really? Brady doesn't have time. When he does have time, he kind of misses guys. And I'm not sure the accuracy is. They completed one long one to Luther, you know. Yeah, I, I just – it stops at the offensive line. I was thinking part of some of – when I was saying as far as the play calling, like last week, what were they doing? Getting the ball out of Brady's hands quick. Not just the jet sweeps and stuff, but like even his his regular passes, they were really quick. And these long developing plays with this offensive line, either he's going to miss the reads, like you said, or he's going to take a shot that he doesn't need to take, or you know it's just not going to it's just not going to work out. So 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, Jeremy says, even if the flag isn't thrown, are we sure the offense is scoring? No, we're absolutely not sure. Um, no question. Uh, let's see. A lot of uh, more of the same. Okay. Uh, spam account says our offensive line seems really hurt, especially at guard. Who's up next? I mean, I guess it's the guy who played, the guys who played at this point, right? I, I've got to look who replaced Delgado for a bit. Did you see? Was it Lou Griffin? I'm not sure he was ever actually out because he he went oh, he, he he got banged up on a touchdown, and I think he came yeah, back. Yeah, 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 okay, okay. But I know uh, it was pretty much was Mitch Walters who came back at right guard, yeah. which is when Doma Ogar replaced last week into the start this week. So you're looking back at, at Mitch Walters and, and Connor Wood being, you know, on the right side again. Yeah. It ain't great. Ain't great. I like this question or comment from Jared. I think Missouri should call that play where Macon gets under center and never snaps the ball. Seriously, Gerard, what the hell was that? Like, I, I don't know. How else. What was that? It upsets me because getting to the point where this was the second or third time, when people see him out there, not your – we don't know who the backup officially is, but Macon seems like he's the fourth string because he runs practice squad sometimes. So you're telling me you're going to go from the first string to the fourth string on on a third and one or whatever. This, that's but a he giveaway. He never actually they, takes the snap. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's a giveaway that they, they're just trying to get you know the other team offside. So I think it's stupid, and they should stop and doing that. If you're going to go for it, go for it. Have your play. And try to draw them off, but then snap it. Like, you don't need to burn a timeout because maybe you need that timeout later. And let's talk about the quarterback sneak play because Sean is disappointed because everybody knew it was going to be a QB sneak. Look, that play should work 99 times out of 100. It's the right play call. Two things happen. The right side of the line blocked absolutely no one. And Brady Cook almost ran it like a read. Like he stood up and didn't go for all you do is take the ball and immediately go forward. I personally put more of the blame on cook on that play than I do on the blocking, even though the blocking wasn't good. It's so hard because when I look at the play, it just, it felt like I, I've got to look at it again, but it seemed like the offensive line and like all their pad levels were high. Like everybody, including the quarterback should basically be diving. That's how you can kind of get some of the push going. And that's how Brady can kind of lunge himself over. Uh, forward he just like you said he hiked it almost stood straight up that's what was perplexing and then he just started looking around like that was the worst quarterback sneak i've ever seen in my life i'm not gonna lie that yeah, was, it, was it was really bad terrible terrible really bad uh justin ferguson says dj coleman's been a big addition he has been again i can't i can't complain with it about anybody defensively today nine tackles half a sack two tackles for loss he led the team in tackles for loss and total tackles so, I mean, this is his third game. He's had a sack in three of the last four games. So, DJ Coleman is – he's becoming their pass rush specialist. I'll tell you that for sure. And then he can also play in the run. So, he's great. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, John Randall says, do we think Horn isn't playing because of the battle line and he doesn't want him to get hurt? I mean, I guess. I, again – like, I get it, but I've kind of reached the point everybody else. And, and I don't want to ignore the second half. Like, Brady Cook did lead two touchdown drives, and he did give them the lead. 
if Sam Horn's in the game, does he do that? I have no idea. But the end result to me is you're just not good enough to win games, and it's entirely because of your offense. And at some point, something has to change. Them being in these one-possession games, I just feel like it's so hard to make a definitive decision. If they were getting blown out in all these games they're losing, I can get it. But, like, when they're getting that close and they can win a couple of these games, it seems like Cook may be able to do just enough and then the defense can get you over the hump. Yeah. Uh, Mizzou fan number seven says, love it, was pissed off multiple times, and the throw to Miller was by mistake. I agree with those two things, but that that brings up a bigger point. Dom Lovett did not have a catch. He was – they did get a PI on a deep throw to him. Uh, he was targeted again on the, the one where he went out of bounds, came back in, and got blown up. But, Gerard, this brings up something to me. It seems like every week there's just one guy who has like a million touches and nobody else gets the ball. Last week it was Lovett. This week, I think every play they ran pretty much was to burden. I mean, Toski Dove, we were joking that we didn't know if he was on the team till the two-point conversion. Mookie Cooper, I don't think, was targeted all day. Dom Lovett, maybe twice. Like, it just it seems like we came into the season talking about all these weapons at wide receiver. And it's like they can only manage to get one of them involved a week. There's no spreading the ball around. There isn't. And it gets to the point where Drink has said the last couple weeks, it's starting to feel like, without saying it, he's saying Burden and Lovin are pretty much our one and two options every pass play. But Cook is not getting it to them because either he's getting crushed or he's just not, he's making different reads, which isn't bad, but you would like for them to get those reads more times than not. Yeah. This next comment I want to put up because I thought it live. It didn't ultimately have anything to do with the outcome of the game. But Michael Kaiser says Stoops mismanaged the end of the first half. So did Eli Drinkwitz. Like that was like two dudes saying, hey, I'm going to screw this up. And then the other one said, no, I'm going to screw up worse. I mean, so it was a Spider-Man meme. Kentucky has the ball at midfield. Missouri calls two timeouts. And then Kentucky's in fourth and four from the 42. And Missouri's down to no timeouts. If I was Mark Stoops, I'd have gone for it then. I didn't think Drinkwitz should have been calling timeouts because his offense clearly wasn't going to do anything. Then I thought Stoops should have gone. Well, then Stoops punts and, and pins Missouri at the seven. 34 seconds. He has all three timeouts. Eli Drinkwitz kneels on the ball. And Stoops doesn't call a timeout. If he wants to kneel on the ball, you call three timeouts and you make them punt from the back of their end. That was just awful by both coaches. And I didn't understand any of it. And there was no point to ask about it after the game because in the end it didn't matter. I just didn't understand any of it. Very. I mean, you explained it. It's it's the Spider-Man meme. It was the same person for, for a little bit. It didn't make any sense either way. Yeah, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I, I think, guys, I think at this point, all the uh, all the comment. Okay, Michael wants to know bowl percentage going forward. I mean, look, I made Gerard mad by this because I said I think it's pretty good because I think if they beat New Mexico State, they're going to be 5-7. and seven. They have a top 30 APR. I think they're going to be in line to get one of those five and seven invites. But a better question is, what are the chances they get to six and six? Which at this point, I understand Tennessee's getting beat kind of bad against Georgia right now. Missouri is not winning in Knoxville next week because they can't score enough points to do it. So that comes down to, can Missouri beat Arkansas? 
I don't know. What do you think sitting here today? I think I'm tired of this narcotic, man. I'm tired of going back and forth thinking, all right, they showed me something versus South Carolina, and then they have this performance where you don't really know what the offense is doing or what it is. I remember my one of my first practices I, I asked you, well, what, what's strength scheme? Like, what's, what's the point? And you looked at me and you said, I don't know. Not because you and don't I still, know. I just, still don't know. But just because, like, it's never consistent. You don't know what the theme is. They're just quarterback running for their life. It's, it's all over the place. It's it's bad across the board. So I just don't think – I think Arkansas is a flawed football team. Yes. But I think they are competent offensively, and they can score 30 points. Now, maybe they won't score 30 against Missouri. But they'll probably score 20. And I don't think Missouri can score 20. They just they just don't have the offense. I think this is a five and seven football team. I'm not saying six and six is impossible. You can beat Arkansas, but this team has not gotten beyond 22, 23 points in the SEC. 23 points in five league games. That's just not winning any games, man. Uh, I'm really interested to see how they come out versus Tennessee on the road because it's the fourth one possession loss to an SEC team. They kind of in some way got the humps off their back versus South Carolina, but it's like South Carolina. But can how can you do go back to like go you get back to four and four and then you drop down to four and six after Tennessee okay. and try to get to six and six? Gerard Gerard, if if you play one game the way they played the South Carolina game and you play four or five games the way they played the other power five games, which team are you? You're the one that played four or five games. You ain't the one that beat South Carolina. I mean, I'll, I'll take what I've seen five times over what I've seen one time or four uh, times. Cause I'll even take the Georgia game out of the discussion. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I get it. uh, there was one more. I, this feels like a good place to end to me. JB wants to know, what would our record be with a competent O-line and quarterback? I mean, what would your record be if you changed the whole roster? What, what would what would the Denver Broncos record be if Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen were their quarterbacks and not Russ Wilson? I it, I don't know. It just doesn't – that's like saying what, what would happen if you changed 25% of the team? I mean, and that's where – People are worried in year three that these are the guys on his side of the football. It's the same discussion we're having two weeks ago, and everybody wanted to believe it disappeared last week, and it just didn't. We go into next year not knowing. I, at least I do. They're close, but they ain't there. No. They better – I just I just want to see if they put up a, a, a competitive performance, a competitive half. Versus Tennessee, because it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. No, I, I mean, I don't even worry about next week. I, I mean, Tennessee, on a bad day, Tennessee's going to score 28. This team ain't scoring 28 points. This team is not winning in Knoxville. If they do, I will come on next week and I will say, kudos to them. I'm an idiot. Extend drink 19 more years. Whatever. Fine. I will own it if I'm wrong. They're not going to beat Tennessee. But, but don't you feel like them playing Tennessee, like this defense isn't going to quit. So the defense isn't going to come in there like we're just going to take the L off the jump. So well, No, but Josh Heupel's scheme 
I mean, I don't know what they're going to do against Georgia today. Right now they're down 21 to six. Like, I don't know how many points they'll end up with against Georgia. But, like, I'm going to click on Tennessee's page real quick and just run through the number of points they've scored. 59, 34, 63, 38, 40, 52, 65, 44. Nobody has held them under 34. So let's say for the sake of argument that Missouri is the best defense they've played this year. They're still scoring 27. And Missouri hasn't scored 27. Missouri offense probably give them 10. I just want to know, now it feels like we're back two weeks ago, like after the bye, how is this defense going to respond to having to do all the legwork and then it just kind of fall from under the offense for whatever and, way? Right, and that's my point. The defense can play really well next week and lose 31-7. Like, that's entirely possible. You know, uh, like, I mean, because today we're sitting there after the game going, well, I mean, the defense gave up some third downs and they, they you know, they they shared. No, the defense did not share in this loss. The, the defense is asked to be absolutely perfect, and that is an unfair standard. That's where I'm at. Um, we got a lot of writing to do, so we're going to get to it. Um, I think we've kind of summed it up. Look, bad calls bad breaks, bad offense. It, it was all bad. Um, they found a new way to lose. So I guess that's something, you know, <laughs> um, appreciate everybody for hanging out with us. Uh, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. I'm going to put this up on a podcast. If you're listening on a podcast, leave a nice review, whatever you do, please share us on social media. And again, uh, 573 T's outfitted our staff. They can outfit you guys. Uh, anything you need, custom tees. They've got a lot of stuff in the store. They can they can do anything you want. Big orders, small orders, does not matter. 573tees.com. Check them out. We're going to have plenty of coverage going forward on this one. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys, and we'll talk to you later.